This episode is brought to you by 510Co. I don't know about you guys, but I'm sick of taking L's on sneakers app, and especially taking L's on getting basketball shorts. Are you tired of taking L's on basketball shorts? Check out 510 at 510co.com. The most comfortable NBA-inspired basketball shorts at an affordable price. Everybody should be able to drip on and off the court. No L's, ever. 510co.com. That's 5-T-E-N-C-O.com. Also check them out on Instagram at 510co. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Killer Crossover Podcast. It's your boy, E-Man. It's your boy, Mo, with special guest, JC No Hunteds. What's happening, uh, everybody? Today's episode, we'll be breaking down, doing a preview, rather, of the conference finals already underway. And we'll also be talking around, talking about what the hell is up with Ben Simmons. And to finish things off, we'll be doing a brief draft lottery recap. Let's get it, y'all. Let's go. All right. So conference finals are underway. We're actually already watching currently game three of the Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference Finals just had game one yesterday. Starting with the West, we got Philly, or sorry, Phoenix versus the Clippers. Phoenix is already up two games to none. Your guys' thoughts? Let's just just, just start off, man. What a, what, what, let's talk about that finish the other night, man. Just, <laughs> just everything right about gate, that man. play was just beautiful. Like, yeah. just pass. The screen by D Book, uh, the roll by Young Boy Aiden to get open, man. It was just a beautiful play, man. Ballsy play, very ballsy play. They caught the Clippers slipping on that, man, and that was just that was beautiful. I, I enjoyed that. It's one of those what the fuck moments, you know. That that Jay Crowder pass from basically from behind the backboard is super underrated. My God, just <laughs> that whole sequence was just wait what. huh and then just like because then at the point you're like wait a minute okay did the game just end because you knew at that point no it didn't they're gonna add more time but then you're back your mind thinking wait are they gonna add more time like okay is this a walk-off like for real i've been saying this for weeks deandre ayton he every night he wants to play like he's hakeem robinson uh shaquille elijuan uh, uh, Tim, Tim Ewing, whoever, whatever big man he wants to play for that night. Every time I read his stat line, I mean Mo knows he sees it on Twitter. I'm always confused because it's like reading a stat line from 2K. I mean the other night it was at the end end of game two. He was 12 for 15. It was just some stupid like, what like when did the chip in this man get activated? Because I mean playing like I, the number one pick. <laughs> I'm saying there's playing like the number one pick and then there's playing like the number one of the decade <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now, that man, seems to be activated. And this man ain't getting nothing but lobs and putbacks, to be honest. I mean, no shade, but it's not like they're really out there calling his number, you know? And you, you know what's so uh, refreshing to see about his game too is that he's running the floor on the breaks. So it's not as if he's oh, yes. camped out in the paint. 
he's actually moving with the guards and it's making life so much more easier for the likes of of every guard i mean Booker, Booker himself uh, yeah i mean Jay even Crowder. when i was Crowder oh my god i'm drawing a blank on Campaign. Uh, on 25 um Cameron, Cameron Johnson, Cam Johnson, Cam, yeah, Cam Johnson uh, and McCall. They have life has been so great for them because whenever he runs the floor, he attracts so much attention that they're able to spot up and they're getting and more yeah. times than none. Those are gimme buckets just off the break alone. So everything he does on the court demands respect. I got to give it to him because, like I said, last time I was on here. You know, it was they. I projected that they were going to make noise. They were just a year away with the the injury to AD midway through that series, and then with LeBron, you know, him not being 100% like we thought it was. It, that mm -hmm. that obviously changed. Um, but even without that, no salute to James Jones. This team was ready from jump and out the gate. Uh, damn all that uh, immaturity and the youth. Nah, they are ready. No doubt. Their time Throw is it now. out the window. Yes. I was, I was on that day two young wave the entire season. I'm throwing it out the window. Yeah. Phoenix Suns <laughs> is a problem. They, yeah. are, they need to no. figure out they need to figure out how to keep CP uh for the rest of his career because they're gonna have a chance to run it back. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Every everybody everybody in the West has to now going into their offseason, you now have to form a plan to get through the Phoenix Suns because with that the youth is not their problem it's the western conference's problem that part <laughs> oh definitely definitely and you guys you guys mentioned it the youth just the fact that their core i mean other than cp3 obviously their core is so young so that they're going to be doing this for years as long as Absolutely. they as long as they don't let their egos get ahead of them so i mean you got booker you got ayton and you got mccall bridges all around the same all on the same timeline and cam johnson if you could if you could get someone to be cp3's understudy i mean campaign is kind of his utter understudy but he's older than these other guys uh, right even though he's, even though he's still young in his own right he's older than these other guys and he is a backup point guard i just want to give cameron Payne his his props he this man went from russ's hype man slash dance partner <laughs> to almost out the league playing I think he was in over. He was playing in overseas. He was playing the G League. Damn near out the damn near out the league almost. And uh, he's actually found a home, Phoenix, and walled a couple nights ago. What do you have? Like damn near thirty, twenty something like that. Nine. Twenty nine, yeah, so and then he had like what was it? Like twelve assists or something like that. Yeah, he was the lead zero score, turnovers. Right? He had yeah. a CP three line. Right, he was yeah. a leading scorer. So I think he's found the, the perfect situation for him. This that backup six man role who can affect the game on both ends and his energy is infectious. So and you know I, the wonderful you know the wonderful thing about about campaign is that if he didn't find that perfect role for him, <laughs> he found that bag because somebody gonna pay him this summer. Right? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, that's facts. That's facts. It, it's a win win for campaign. Salute yeah. to that man. Most definitely. Absolutely. How you guys calling the series? I mean, Phoenix already got a 2-0 lead on this, on this series. How you guys calling it? Unless Kawhi comes in on a magic puffy cloud, the Clippers had, one thing you can't take away from the Clippers is that they found ways to come back and make it happen. 
people found out the hard way that Ty Lu is a deserving head coach in this league. It was not all just LeBron in Cleveland. That was Ty Lu. He is a mad scientist when it comes to adjustments. Uh, one thing I we have learned about him is that there is no pride uh, when it comes to Ty Lu. Uh, he will adjust on the fly and it does not matter. You can be making 64 million like Kennard. Hey, that's nice, but you don't have it this series, so I need you to ride the bench, yeah. uh, as he did with the Dallas series. And then immediately going into the Utah series, hey, Kennard, um, you got what it takes because you the white boy and we in Utah, and you're not going to be built under pressure with all these these, these crazy white fans screaming, uh, going wild. You can handle that, so get in and make these shots. He, he knows what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he puts people in position. Like, he, he doesn't... He does what's necessary to win. He's not phased by politics. The problem is, is that DeAndre Aiden is not Rudy Gobert. <laughs> so so yeah. the situation is, is I think they can come back and, you know, get this game. You know, you, you're probably looking at it with the, the fact that they could come back and, you know, they can probably hold home court uh, for these first two, these next two. But the problem is, is that you're dealing with the Phoenix Suns team that has they have a core that again looks fearless and the Clippers at some point are going to end up missing Kawhi Leonard uh, I don't know yeah, what that definitely. situation is uh, they made it initially sound like the what was it the ACL yeah I thought yeah. it was torn they made it seem like it was a torn ACL right so they made it sound like it was torn then they kind of hinted like it was just a minor ACL, like a sprain, yeah. so he would be back. But now we're into the third game, and you know they just showed him sitting in the stands like he was Sting at WCW. Uh, so <laughs> we don't know what's going on with that. If he's not going to come back, they're eventually going to take full advantage of that. Uh, so with that being said, I still feel it's going to be a close series, uh, but we'll, I'm still going to ride Suns in six. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on that hype too. You know, the Clippers, for the most part, have been a very resilient team this entire postseason. You know, props for them uh, for battling back uh, down 0-2 for two straight series. That's nothing to frown, up, frown upon. Uh, but you're missing your, your closer. You're, miss, you're missing the Terminator. It, it's it's hard to, to take out these young bucks, man, because they, they're hungry. Yeah. They're hungry. Yeah. They know this is their best shot at winning the title. CP3 is the OG, so they want to get a ring for him finally. Because there's probably nobody still playing this league today that's more deserving of a championship ring than Chris Paul. That out there. Uh, so I am under the impression that this series is going to end in six in favor of uh, Phoenix. But you never know. Again, that Clippers resiliency and JC already pointed out. Ty lose a brilliant chess player. Very brilliant chess player, so he might have someone on his sleeve. You never know. So I'm gonna say Suns and six, but it's gonna be a very competitive game. A few Definitely. a few plays here, a few missed free throws here, a few turnovers here will swing the pendulum to Phoenix Suns way, and I think I'll have enough to take take the series in the end. So I'm with you guys. That's, I think uh, the Suns are gonna win the series. Before the series started, I had Suns in six. Also, I'm changing it to Suns in five. Uh, just seeing how they won Game One pretty convincingly, and then Game Two, you know, despite 
the Clippers making their comeback, they still found a way to win. Granted, there was some questionable calls and non-calls in the, in the, that last 30 minutes of real time, one and a half minutes of game time in that game too. Um, and this is not to discount, to your guys' point, Ty Lue's ability to make adjustments on the fly or in-game. And it's not to discount PG either. I don't think Kawhi's coming back. And that's just because he can't because otherwise it's going to be another it's going to be like another KD situation with the Warriors where he comes back to try and to try and play and then something worse happens to to what is what started as a minor injury and then makes it a major injury also because Phoenix won found found a way to win those first two games without CP3 and before the series started I was thinking dude CP3 is getting all this rest before the conference finals, arrested CP3 is so dangerous that the Suns are gonna win this series. Now, I think coming off of COVID, the Suns will probably lose this game. There's a good chance that the Suns will lose this game and PG can win you a game. I don't think PG can win you that many games against, especially against arrested CP3-led Suns. And the Suns just have too many weapons for the Clippers to overcome. Like you guys, like you guys, I will give Talu his his props though because his adjustments on the fly, his in-game adjustments, his using certain pieces. I mean, Demarcus Cousins playing meaningful minutes. I cannot express how much how happy I am for Demarcus Cousins to actually be playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs. Loot to boogie after after those two after those two huge injuries. It only makes me excited for what Clay can do later on i mean i'm not i know he's not going to do it right away next year but when he does come back it, it's got me excited for him for him coming back and Definitely. to that ayton the way ayton has been playing that got me kind of excited for james wiseman too in in the coming years i'm not gonna lie <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying but yeah i i got i got clippers in five i think i think they end this kind of early and like I mentioned uh, before on Twitter, because CP3 got so much rest, I think they're going to the finals. And I actually think if they do end it in four or five and neither the Bucks or the Hawks can make it a quick series, Phoenix might be on their way to a title. It's very possible. So speaking of the Bucks and it's Hawks. Very, it's very possible. They have a good as chance as anybody. Speaking of the Bucks and Hawks, game one yesterday goes to Atlanta. Your thoughts on game one? Ice trade gang. Ice trade pound. Ice, ice trade pound. <laughs> he came out busting. <laughs> Man, I don't know how many series it takes for the league. Not, I'm, I'm not even talking about the league. I'm just talking about like teams in the East to expose Coach Buttonholder. Like, bro. This is make his some third straight postseason, it seems like, getting exposed. Just, bro, make some and adjustments, man. Not just like, that, but his third straight series in this postseason. <laughs> right. Like, bro. Like, you wait, until Trey, you wait until Trey catches fire and is killing y'all. Then you think, okay, now I'm going to sit down Brooke. And that's when we got back in the game and actually had a chance to win the game. But you waited yeah. too late. Yeah. Booking was horrible. Like, <laughs> I, there's, there's just no, there's no other way to put it. He's just a 
there's some uh nepotism somewhere there like he knows somebody within the organization <laughs> got dirt on somebody somewhere he knows where the bodies are at something is down because there is no way on god's green earth that he has managed a way to to fool everybody and, and keep that position i mean there are so many ways okay case in point going back to just real quick just game seven there's eight seconds left in regulation it's just very simple to draw a simple play up to just put the ball in the air to kill more time before that shot clock goes down and he runs a horrible play that results to <laughs> brooke lopez getting a shot clock violation that then fortunately for him at the same time because again somehow some way he ends up lucky in all of this kd hits a magnificent shot but his toe is on the line that ends up being a, a game tying shot instead of a game winning shot but even in the midst of that it's like how do you do this because all you had to do was just make sure the ball got in the air to kill three or four seconds while it's in the air and he still couldn't do that so then we fast forward into game one and it's just it's a simple ideology where wow what do you know you put bobby portis into the game and bobby portis is just a guy that maximizes every single minute what do you know you could have did this a while ago hey playing Giannis at the five who would have thought that that would work for you what does Budenhauser do he goes away from all of it every single time and what happens as a result Trey Young runs wild John Collins who is one of my favorite young guys in the league who I say is a walking 20 and 10 and his only issue in the league is just consistency next thing I know I looked up at the stat line and no it's not a walking 20 and 10 he's got damn near 25 and 20 and I'm trying to figure, wait, wait, how is that? Like, that's great on that end, but how did Budenhauser allow that to take place? And the Hawks just, you just got to give it to the Hawks because Nate McMillan, they are an exciting team to watch just talent-wise. Nate McMillan has found a way to instill heart and and drive into that talent. Sure, and it just brings out a fun, uh, it just drives a, front, a fun product. Um, I mean, I just going on paper, you would expect a, a team with a two-time uh, MVP, uh, a defensive-minded guy like Drew Holiday, um, uh, a couple All-Stars with Chris Middleton and a well-rounded team like the Bucks to run through the Hawks. But you can't minimize Hart. And the, the team that has it in this series is the Hawks. Right. Um, so again, on paper, the Bucks should take this, but... I think one of the best storylines in this entire playoffs is watching Trey Young become a villain and him thriving Definitely. in that role in this in this NBA. I love villains and I love anti-heroes. And Trey <laughs> Young for me seeing him and not only become that character but thrive in it and want to be that character. That just reminds me of good 90s and early 2000s basketball. I love that so much. Oh, yeah. So to just see him take over in Milwaukee and just look at the crowd the same way he looked at New York and Philadelphia. Yeah, Bud gonna have to do something. He At this point, he gonna have to start looking at plays on 2K to figure it out because whatever he has <laughs> in his own, on his chalkboard, it's not working. And and he's gonna, uh, Rick, Rick Carlisle, he already took the job in Indy. I think Jason Kidd's already hinted at taking the job in Dallas. So jobs yeah. are filling up. So, you know, at this right. point, if they get bounced out, 
Budenhauser is going to be a great coach for the Shanghai Sharks. <laughs> or the G League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It ain't going to work. It's, it's ugly out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, Cole, uh, Mr. Trey Young has arrived. I mean, this man has knocked off. Now, granted, it's, it takes a team effort, but this man has knocked off essentially the two biggest sports markets in the entire country in the first two rounds. And I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers the other day, and I was telling him the most dangerous playoff team sometimes is a team with no expectations. A team that yep. 100. that embraces that underdog role, that that realizes that the pressure is all on the ops and not on us because we're not supposed to be here. They're yeah. supposed to beat us. But we ain't got nothing to lose. So all we have to do, do all we have to do is go out there, we play hard. We execute on both ends, and we leave it out. We leave it out on the table, and let the chips fall where they may. And that's what this Hawks team has done for the entire postseason. They're going out there. They're playing loose. They're playing free. Uh, to them, they're treating these games like I mean, it's playoff intensity, but it's like regular season games to them because they're playing so free and they're playing so loose. And they know even even if they get down, as they did multiple times in that Philly series. They know they have enough of heart to get back in the, in that game. And uh, Budenholzer, it better be watching film. He better be praying, lighting incense, texting around, texting his coaching circle around the league for tips. Because if if they get down 0-2, man, going back to Atlanta, I don't know, fellas. I'm still sticking with the Bucks, man. But they got to win tomorrow night. I don't normally I don't normally go out on a limb and say that a game two is a must win, but Milwaukee got to respond tomorrow night, which I think that they will. I'm still picking the Bucks in the series, but they got to start respecting Atlanta. Uh, I think Philly didn't respect Atlanta, and it caught up to them. And if Milwaukee doesn't start respecting Atlanta like right now, it, it, they, we could be seeing the Atlanta Hawks raising that Eastern Conference trophy. Just just food for thought. Real talk. Yeah, definitely. To your guys' point, man, Trey has been ice cold. That is that is ice Trey out there. Yeah, and he's just been a killer out there. One thing I will say regards to just just in regards to the you know, the conference finals in general, or the playoffs in general, the youth of the NBA has arrived. And regardless of what happens with you know with LeBron you know if he retires in two years or in five years or whatever or Steph you know everyone's talking about his his championship windows closing the league is in good hands with Trey with Donovan Mitchell with uh Devin Booker Jason Tatum I mean these guys are taking over the league and I couldn't be happier for the NBA because this just makes it a good product for all of us, uh, especially as fans. It's so entertaining. You get to see kind of like what we what we grew up on in the 90s, where you have superstars on a whole bunch of different teams, no matter the market. And it creates for, you know, it creates for, a, for an exciting and entertaining product. And it's just, that, that's just, that's just something that I, needed to get out there as far as this series uh oh man in order for the bucks to win Giannis is gonna have to say fuck you coach i'm i'm getting this shit done 
And yeah. I just don't know if he has that in him. He he se- he seems like the type of guy who, and it, it's shown in the last couple of uh, seasons, in the last couple of playoff runs for them, that he'll do what the coach tells him to do. And then it, when people try to blame him, he'll say, I'm just doing what the coach is, tell- is telling me to do. It's like he has no judgment on his own. And he, he, he doesn't have that that mama mentality. He doesn't have that mama mentality where it's like, you know what, no, I'm gonna take over. I'm gonna win at all costs. That's what's gonna hold him back. But I don't know. I, I think that this team is too talented and too good to really count them out. I'll say Bucks in seven. No, I'll say Bucks and six. If it goes seven, Atlanta's gonna win. <laughs> I'll say Bucks and six, but they don't want it to go seven. No, they don't. Yeah, no, I'll I'll say Bucks and six, but Atlanta's gonna make it tough for them. Yeah, most definitely. Um, two points to add on, or to add on to two points that you made. The first one, the NBA is absolutely in great hands. Uh, the casual fan that's been complaining about too much LeBron, too much Warriors, not enough. Uh, parody. If they're still complaining about the NBA right now, then they just don't like basketball, and they just they're in it to just complain. Because what just we've stop been seeing, fucking watching. Exactly. Stop watching. What we've been seeing right now, um, as as a Lakers fan, I'm I'm always one that um, I'm I joke, but I'm always serious because you know I'm I'm just a Lakers fan. I'm die hard. I don't care about parody. Stack stack our roster with as much talent, and then let us run free. <laughs> but in terms of what we are seeing in the league right now, this is beautiful to watch. It's just like, yeah. there is just talent everywhere. And like, like you said, Donovan Mitchell in, in one area, uh, Jason Tatum in another area. Uh, we're seeing Trey in Atlanta. And, and the wonderful thing is when you look at all these markets, a lot of these markets aren't really, we hear big market, small market, but a lot of these markets that usually aren't traditionally in the big, not that far away from big market. Phoenix, yeah. a lot of people would think small market. Phoenix is the 11th market in sports. So it's not, you know, out of the realm of being a traditionally popping market in, in the sports world. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta's number seven. Uh, the Clippers, they still, re- I know that it's a Lakers town, but they are still in Los Angeles. That's the yeah. number two market in sports. Milwaukee is the only team that is left that is outside that's barely cracked the top 40 but within that like we had said they have a former two-time MVP that's a draw that is a one that is a almost generational player that is that can single-handedly pull uh viewers in so you have a bunch of of stars you have markets there's just so much to like about that the second point uh, that I, uh, I'm glad that you made is that Giannis doesn't necessarily need to have the Mamba mentality, but he does need to have the I am a superstar mentality, especially considering that he just signed the extension. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, front office ain't going to trade him. Uh, he, they're not going to cut him. Uh, this is his team. This is his city. So he has free reign to do whatever he wants to do. And with that being said, the problem that comes with it is that we are learning that Giannis's bag does not run that deep. So I think that's where the, the real issue stems from is that when he's dribbling, 
you know, and he's having that much of a problem going up against Blake Griffin. That's where we're seeing the issue of him, you know, not being that strong and, and wanting to fully take over. Because if he, if it was the other way, you know, he's taking players off of the dribble left and right. We not even having this conversation about Budenholz. The offense is running strictly through Giannis every single time they go down the court. But I think the issue is because Giannis is what we're actually finding out isn't as high of an IQ player as many had perceived him to be. He's just figuring out that he really needs to operate within that 15 foot range to the basket and they're not doing it as consistently. That's really where the frustration comes from. Um, again, I still feel like Bucks are going to pull this out. They do not want to go to the game seven like we all agreed upon. Uh, it seems just like Atlanta just thrives on the highest of pressure. Uh, Trey Young just loves going into the opposing arenas and just breaking hearts. And I love <laughs> that about him. So a uh, game seven just fits the narrative of, of Atlanta. They do not want that to happen. I do believe the Bucks can pull this out still in six, but they need to make it happen in game two. Otherwise, it can go ugly okay. fast. Migos just dropped culture three. It is fire. Atlanta has reasons to celebrate, and the Bucks do not want to give them another reason to make it a long series for them. And uh, I'll add to this this part of the conversation. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking for. I'm looking for two players. I'm looking for Drew, and I'm looking for Chris Middleton. Those two brothers, man, they gotta. They 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 gotta step it up. I think Drew had himself a good game. Uh, Chris Middleton, he's been. The knock on him is that he's just been so hot and cold. Yeah. And he's a little bit, he's he's too, he's too jumper happy for me. I mean, this cat is 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, like, why aren't you not going downhill more? Why aren't why 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 isn't Bud calling for more post-ups? Like, you gotta realize how fucking yeah. big this Bucks team is. They are huge. They have length at every position, and it just boggles my mind how both Bud doesn't adjust the length of his team. Like you don't post, you you, you don't post Giannis, you don't post uh, uh, Chris Middleton, you don't even post Brook Lopez, and he's the biggest player on the team, and you got him shooting threes like he's Curry or Clay. Like make it make sense to me, man. Like that is Giannis. wild that you say that now. I never thought about it like that. They are a big team, but they're, they're big as shit, bro. Their they length is the their length more times than not is their weakness instead of their so, strength. Coach that doesn't know how to utilize it. Yeah, that's why. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, it, the coach yeah, doesn't know bug. how to utilize their length. <laughs> that's another thing I wanted to bring up. That I mean, I hate point, to say it, man. To your point, why aren't you posting why aren't you posting your team up more? I actually don't mind Brooke Lopez being out in the corner. Shooting, shooting the corner three, as long as you got somebody posting up. Yes. Whether it's whether it's Giannis right. or Drew Holiday, because Drew Holiday could back down mm -hmm. some motherfuckers, and especially Trey. Right, that's barbecue <laughs> and, chicken. Yeah, and, and, especially and if it's Trey. Yeah. And if it if it's not Drew Holiday or if it's not Giannis, then you're posting up Chris Middleton. And here's the thing: you should be headhunting Trey Young. In the post, and if you have if you Every have Brook Lopez, if you have Brook Lopez out in the at, for that corner three, Clint Capella is going to have to go out there because he's going to have to respect him. And if Clint Capella comes, if Clint Capella comes in, you have Giannis just attack the basket three times, just try to dunk on him three times, 
three times he's gonna foul you <laughs> and even though you're not a good free throw shooter you go to the line you're not a good free throw shooter you're taking clint capella clint capella out of the game and then who's gonna stop you at the basket like that, that's just that's just crazy to me how you got so much size but you don't take advantage of it and that's another thing as far as uh chris Most Middleton. coaches would salivate at the length yeah oh my and, god and, give, give ty Lue the give ty Lue the bucks for Watch sure. What <laughs> and then, like, Chris, I, I think one of the adjustments that they should make is Chris Middleton should, he should defend Trey because putting all that length on Trey is going to bother the crap out of him. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what happened when uh, Philly put Thibault on him. That's what happened when Philly put Ben Simmons on him. He just started to, you know, he just started to mess up. And then that kind of took him, that kind of took him out of, out of his game a little bit. And again, Giannis, he needs to post up more. He needs to drive and attack. He needs to sh- stop shooting some damn th- those damn threes. I mean, take take one just to make you feel make yourself feel better. But yeah. other than that, you sh- he shouldn't be attempting more than three a game. And the the only reason he should attempt three is if he makes one, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> once so, you miss those, once you miss those other two, yeah. you stop shooting. And <laughs> his, yeah, exactly. His three pointers should be temperature check three pointers. That's it. Yeah. If anything, play more like Ben Simmons. <laughs> play more like Ben Simmons. Right. Stop shooting. Yeah. Please. Absolutely. Yeah. Trey. Trey Young. We want you to be this. We, we. Yeah. We want you to be aggressive. We just don't want you to shoot every time. Though. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trey Young, Steph Curry, those likes, Devin Booker, they get heat checks. Uh, Giannis, he needs a temperature check. <laughs> <laughs> no. Speaking of Ben Simmons, what the fuck? My God Almighty, where do I begin? I, I mean, you're—he's not even brother, five start feet us away. Off, Cole. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big proponent of uh, taking care of of uh, mental health. Midway through the series, I knew I, this have, this had nothing to do with basketball anymore. Uh, this was. This was by far something even much more worse than what LeBron's 2011 final series was. Because at least in LeBron's defense with that, he was still involved with the offense. It wasn't good offense, but he was still involved. Ben Simmons not putting up one shot in any of those fourth quarters in the last four games of that series, there's no excuse for that regardless if you're the number one overall pick in any draft or if you are the guy that just made it onto the G League. If you're getting big time minutes, there's just no excuse. The whole point of playing basketball is to put the ball in the hoop. So fast forward to or rewind to that game seven and that three minute mark when he had that wide open gimme and his response was, I don't want to have the embarrassment of getting fouled and going to the free throw line and potentially missing both these free throws. So I'm going to pass it out, which then resulted in a far more embarrassing situation. That is all mental at that point. That has nothing to do with basketball. I have a friend, uh, Mo knows him. Uh, shout out to, uh, to Jason Maples. He, he hosts a, uh, a Spaces on Twitter after after the games. Um, that's, been, really, that's been popping. Um, we have been discussing that for a while 
and he brought up a great point which was look ben simmons he signed his extension that extension is 169 million if that was his level of success then that's the reason why he is not in the gym and there really isn't nothing that needs to be said anymore because if that was his level if that's what he deems a success i mean we can say what we want and we have our reasons why we feel we're right but he did sign his name on a piece of paper that just combined about 20 generations worth of wealth and you know if that's what it is that's what it is uh but with that being said i the idea that i don't want to be embarrassed so i'm going to pass it out but i just made a whole situation that much more embarrassing i, I don't know because when they they brought up his footage from summer league and in his summer league he's dropped back in shot fade away uh going into the paint floater just every like and then all of a sudden it, it was i had to stop and think like was he the bad influence on markel faults because when markel faults got to orlando <laughs> Markel Fultz was putting it up. So legitimately, I after game seven, I had to ask that question. Was he the one that was in Markel, Markel Fultz's Fultz mind? Also, Markel Fultz also had surgery to fix his shoulder. So very, very true. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a lot of brothers in the NBA that have that have injuries with the shoulder and then don't go through situations that Markel Fultz went through. You're right, you're right. And they don't play with Ben Simmons. <laughs> so I, I just have to ask the question just because it's something that's mind-boggling now in regards to what happened after the game because i feel like that was yeah that, that was, was just telling. as important to the the story as as ben simmons um ben simmons can't go back to philly there, there's no way in hell he can go back um doc rivers doc Rivers. first of all doc rivers was wrong um, yeah. I think, uh, uh, damn, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Amin, uh, I'm forgetting his last name. Um, sports analyst. He was a former uh, executive in the in the league. He was He's on. He's the NBA guy Radio. on the jump, right? Yes. He's the guy on the jump. Yes. Yeah. Um, he he brought up a good point on NBA Radio earlier this week when they were talking about that. He said, "You always have to remember, you do not owe the media the truth. You just owe them a response." And what Doc Rivers failed Ben Simmons, regardless of whether it was the truth, he failed him by not having his back and just saying, you know, Ben is our guy. We're going to rock with him. Everybody had a bad series. And that was that. Now, it could have been true. Hey, we can't win with this guy at point guard. But you go to bat with him, you keep everything in house. But that's not how it went. So when Doc Rivers said, hey, I don't know if I can win with this guy as a starting point guard. I don't know. And then when Embiid followed that with, yeah, the whole game shifted when he passed that ball out. There's no way he can go back into that locker room. It, the, the writing yeah. is on the wall. The, they, the only yeah. problem with what they did was they might have messed up the the draft, or not the draft, but the trade value. That's the oh, only no. reason why you not that There's in-house. no might about that. They you know what I'm like, trade value. Yeah, <laughs> that, like, that's because now at this point, all the, all the organizations looking at you like, well, we know you, you want out. So yeah. I'm just going to give you a, a bag of Frito-Lays and you just want to take it. Um, yeah, they're trying to we, do damage control now. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, one of the funny things that I heard, and again, this is this is Twitter talk, so you can only take this with a grain of salt. Funny thing that I heard was that this was all a ploy by the Clutch Lakers. Um, ben Simmons can actually is holding it within. 
Um, they're trying to get him over to the Lakers. And once he's with the Lakers, he's going to unleash the 27 and, and 10 that's within him. And he's going to go crazy. And it's going to respark this rejuvenation in LeBron, yada, yada, yada. If that does happen, first of all, I'm scared to death because what I just saw on the court, I'm not rocking with that theory. What I, what I see on the court <laughs> is what I see. And I want no parts of that. Um, but with that being said, Rich Paul was in Chicago and had a meeting with, with Daryl Morey and Elton Brand while they were at the combine. Now, you can take what you want uh, as far as the listeners go. There's no reason for an agent to meet with the front office that can't be done on a phone call or a Zoom meeting unless there's some serious talks going on. So when I heard about that, that's all I need to see. That there's a deal that's going to be taking place by the trade deadline. Something's going to go, and I'll be surprised if it makes it if it makes it to the deadline. I expect him to be gone by the start of training camp. There's no way he'd go back oh, to yeah. that locker room. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. My 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 thoughts on this whole Ben Simmons situation. I'm just gonna put it out there. Like I've never been a, a fan of this cat. I, I recognize the talent. I recognize the, the feel for the game that he had coming out of LSU, but I always felt he was a little overrated. And now I feel like he's very overrated. But there's also a, uh, a selfishness with Ben Simmons, an entitlement with Ben Simmons. And the reason why I say that is if you watch the documentary that he had on Showtime at his lone season at LSU, he didn't really give a shit. He didn't give a shit about the program. He didn't give a shit about his his teammates he wasn't going to class because he already knew that he was going to be the number one pick matter of fact his team was trash he withdrew out of school and was preparing for the damn draft you know what i mean so he's always Ben simmons has always been a me guy not a we guy and to hear the collective groan of the philly crowd when he passed up that ball just pretty much sums up my feelings for him my thoughts of him, basically, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see how he comes back from that. I think, I think the talent is there, but I think he's just so comfortable with being a millionaire and having, I don't know which gender girl he has, is it Kylie or Kendall? I forget. I don't keep none trying. now. I think he's moved on. He's he's got a, <laughs> a he's got another bad one in the stable. Okay. So he so he's yeah so. He's he he's he's got the bag. He's got a stable of baddies. Like he's he's living life right now. He's he's feeling good, and he's a detriment to himself, to his own career. Now, granted, a six ten point card doesn't just, doesn't just fall uh, from the sky. So he'll still get plenty of chances if he is moved out of Philly. But I think at this point, man, he's just gonna have to give up the lead guard duties and just become a four. Come a four, reshape his game to be like Draymond, right? And he can still have a successful career playing that AK, that that uh, Draymond role. But until he gets a jump shot, and until he's just to de develop some type of confidence, whether okay, I'm going to continue to shoot, or I'm going to at least be aggressive and make plays, then this is the result that they're always that they're going to get in Phil. Because his teammates, fuck, they battled. Steph Curry, Seth Curry, excuse me, had a hell of a series. Tobias Harris, he had his moments. Embiid was playing on a tour meniscus and, had, and laid it everything out, gave it everything he had on the court. 
And for and if I see if I'm Joel Obed and I'm playing with a torn knee, and I see my teammate, my the second best player on my squad not performing the way I think that he can, I'm gonna look at this guy sideways and I'm like, I don't think I can win with this cat. So it just he's gonna have to do some soul searching in this offseason, fellas. This is he's gonna have to hire him a, a sports psychologist and really understand what's the inner workings of his brain and why he doesn't want to shoot. Maybe it's too much pressure. Maybe that Philly environment is is too much for him. You know, I'll give you an example. Lonzo Ball, number two overall pick. LA kid was supposed to be the next Magic, was supposed to be the Jake kid. His father sold a lot of uh, lot of wolf tickets. And his career in, in the NBA didn't get off to the best start. He goes to New, he goes to New Orleans, small market team. He works on his game. He completely reshapes and retools his jump shot. And he's a he's a much more confident player. So I think what I'm trying to say is I feel like a chain chain of scenery is what he needs to save his career. That's what he needs. He just needs to change the scenery. Whether Definitely. which team that, that takes him, I, I'm I'm not too sure. Um, on Twitter, you know, again, we said this earlier, JC, we take everything we see on Twitter with a grain of salt. Right. So I'm, I'm seeing, I, I'm hearing playing uh, uh, for CJ, then go to, go to Portland. I'm hearing some Warrior talk. Uh, I've heard some Lakers talk. Me personally, I don't want, I don't want him anywhere near the Lakers. I'm good. No. But I definitely think a change, change of scenery is needed. But then again, he has to understand, like, he has to want to get better. That's the biggest problem. Like, to be honest, he wants to get better. I'm not so sure if Ben Simmons wants to get better. And that's a problem. And if he doesn't want to get, if he doesn't want to get better, then Philly is not the place for him. Because they will eat you up and spit you out. They still cursing out McNabb. They don't forget shit. <laughs> <laughs> they still pissed off at McNabb for getting, getting sick in that huddle, fellas. Whether he wants to buy it or not, they still mad at his ass about that shit. <laughs> Real talk. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up, Mo. He does have to want to get better. Point I'm gonna make is, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put it all on his coaches because at some point the player themselves has to take it upon themselves to actually do the training and get better. But if you look at his career, he's had two coaches, Brett Brown, who was his guy from Australia and Doc Rivers, both who enabled him. They've enabled his behavior. Brett Brown said, this is your team. You're going to run it however you want to run it. You don't got to do nothing to get better. You're already good. This is this is your game. This is how we're going to run the team. We're going to we're going to cater the team to how you play. That's what Brett Brown did. Doc Rivers, he came out out the jump. As soon as he signed with Philly to coach this team, to coach that team, he said, I'm not going to force Ben to shoot. I'm not going to tell him to shoot. That right there is enabling him, telling him, you ain't got to change your game. We're going we're gonna to cater the offense to... All you got to do is run the offense, just learn the system. You don't have to shoot. Exactly. That's exactly what both of his coaches have done in the NBA. Put him with a coach that's going to keep him accountable and instill confidence in him instead of 
telling him for the whole for a whole season for a whole 72 to 82 games oh you don't have to shoot you don't have to shoot you don't have to shoot and then in the playoffs you have to shoot of course he's going to be uncomfortable in that position so what you're saying is he needs greg popovich that's what you're saying he need, he, need, he needs greg popovich or he needs a steve kerr or he needs maybe even a rick carlisle he needs he needs a coach that is going to instill confidence in him a coach that's going to hold him accountable and he needs a team with someone with other people who are going to hold him accountable too because Joel Embiid like like JC like you said he didn't do him any favors by throwing him under the bus and right. he didn't do the he didn't do the team any favors by doing that that said yeah, Ben Simmons has to get in the, get back in the lab. He has to find his touch again because I, I saw those videos too of his summer league. He was he was hitting shots, hitting jumpers, fadeaway jumpers, pull ups, off the dribble, catch and shoot. He was hitting shots. I look back at his free throw percentage. I mean, his free throw percentage has always been bad, but from his rookie year. 56%, 60%, 62%, 61%. So it's get, it's gotten marginally better. Um, there was a drop off from last year to this year. Playoffs, his, well, I'm not gonna say his rookie season, even though he got rookie of the year. He, I, we all we all agree that he shouldn't have been rookie of the year. But, <laughs> um, man, <laughs> that, that's a, that's a that conversation was, that was for another spiders, That was Spider's Award. Yeah. That, that's that another conversation for another right. for another episode. But his free throw percentage in ten game in ten playoff games seventy point seven percent free throws. So he can shoot. He just gotta he just gotta practice it, and so, he's gotta find that confidence again. So let me ask you a question, both of y'all. So let's just say that Philly decides to run it back. They're going to try to rehabilitate this kid. Do you take the ball out of his hands and slide him to the four and put Tobias at the three? Or what do you do with him moving forward? Do you take the ball out of his hands completely or you put him at the four? Because if he's not going to shoot, he shouldn't be playing point. So I'm okay I'm okay with him not being the four, but he he'd be the three. If as long as he's defending as long as he's defending the perimeter at, for me I judge positions based on where you defend, not where you play offense. Respective. Because Draymond offensively is a point guard, but defensively he's anything but point guard. Well, he, he, he's anything really. But Ben Simmons, uh, ben Simmons is gonna defend your best player. So if anything, he's gonna be defending your best perimeter player. Um, yeah, I get another point guard out there point guard that could shoot yeah i mean moving him to the four under any other circumstance wouldn't be a problem except for one thing he's not shooting <laughs> that's the issue <laughs> so you can move him to the four you can move him to the three the problem with moving him to the four in the eastern conference is you think about the teams at who have the four i mean we look at atlanta john collins we look at milwaukee Giannis. Um, you look at the Nets. Ooh, they have a nice one. They could just slide KD to the four. Um, there's a lot of players that can slide, and it's so yeah. Ben Simmons can on 
defensively he's an asset because you can just have him guard the best perimeter player but on offense he actually becomes more of a liability if you move him to the four because then you're actually giving the best your your four in the east actually gets gets some time off on defense not necessarily not necessarily i would disagree with that because he because he has point guard skills he should be able to take them off the dribble he to to that yes the problem comes down to when it's time to get a bucket close them up when it's time when it's time out of Giannis right right but when it's when it's time to get a bucket as we've seen he's he's nowhere to be found so if I want to rest KD for for a couple trips down I'm just going to put KD on Ben Simmons so yes, Ben Simmons is going to dribble. He's going to initiate the offense. But if I could create a scheme to take Ben Simmons out and force him to put the ball up, knowing that he doesn't want to put that ball up, now we've just effectively taken him out the system and we basically put five on four. And that that's where that's where Doc's got to implement more pick and roll situations where right. you're switching out a guard on him and then you're posting Ben Simmons up on that guard. Right. Now, the issue with that is Doc Rivers, to me, is also overrated. Because the oh, only definitely. reason Doc Rivers has a, a championship agree. ring is because that 2008 team was full of veterans that Completely were willing, agree. that were that were past their primes, and they were all willing to come together to finally get that ring. And they but were coaches we've seen, on the court, <laughs> exactly. But we've seen Doc Rivers' uh, his track record, and you know whatever happens with the Clippers happens, but his uh, his soundbite from last year doesn't sound too good in regards to Paul George where uh, Paul George made the comment of where he didn't have me in the right position and him saying, well, Ty Lu was sitting next to me. Uh, yeah, Doc has had another second round exit and Ty Lu has managed to get the Clippers their first Western Conference Finals berth right. with Paul George being the guy while Kawhi has been out since game three or game four of the previous mm-hmm. series. So Doc Rivers, to I don't have much faith in him putting yeah. Ben Simmons in the best position if he moves him to the four. So if they choose to run it back, it's your it's just it's unfortunately just going to be the same thing. It all it all relies on the shoulders of does Ben Simmons want to get better or is he just comfortable with what is what he's currently in? And as Mo was saying and as you also said as as well, all signs point to he said the right things at the end of the game seven presser. But like Shaq said, if he was in my locker room, I'd have kicked his ass. <laughs> and a little funny tidbit, I don't know if you caught it, Mo. What Shaq said told me everything I needed to know about Eddie Jones after that 1998 playoff run. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I didn't I did not catch that. I didn't make that connection. Oh man. That told me everything I needed to know about. <laughs> I said, oh, oh. I know Eddie Jones got touched up a little bit then <laughs> if he said what he, he said. He would ship out the I, I next that. year. He was shipped yeah. out the next year, and then then Kobe Bryant was born. <laughs> exactly, I caught that real quick. So, oh, oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I heard that. But yeah, no, um, yeah, uh, Draymond. The reason why Draymond works, and you know this, is Matt Pullman, because obviously the Warriors are, are your squad. What makes him work is that even when he puts up a bad shot, he still puts the shot up. Yeah. So you, you know that's the thing. Even when it. The jokes will always fly about it. You know, did, he's going to miss the shot, whatever. Draymond's still not afraid to, to put it up. And that's mm-hmm. what we're we're seeing with Ben is, again, this is something I'm, the whole point of basketball, like Antoine Walker made a great comment was, 
I've never met somebody who played the game of basketball and didn't want to shoot the ball. That's the fun in basketball, is taking the shot. Who ain't have that, like, who doesn't have fun taking the shot in basketball? There's no fear in, in the majority of people taking a shot. Like, that's the whole point is, okay, I might miss it, but I'm going to get it back and we can run it back and we can try again. Everybody misses in basketball. In his mind, though, it's a, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Uh, this is a weird situation. Especially. What makes it even more strange is the fact that he is the, he was the number one overall pick. That's what makes it even far more strange. Getting compared to LeBron and all, and everything. So I think, you know, the general consistent consensus of episode tonight is, you know, it really doesn't matter where you play him. It's just it's going to be the same result if he's not aggressive. Yeah. And if he's not with the if he's not with uh, the right coach. Right. And the right team, the right situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, who, uh, I forgot which one of you two brought it up. Um, I think it was you, Matt. You said um, Rick Carlisle in Indy. That actually mm-hmm. might be a perfect scenario because like Mo was saying with with Lonzo, it was, it's a smaller market. So there's not that, the press is going to be a, a different kind of press, especially mm-hmm. from Philly. Like Philly's the worst place to go to for any athlete because the, <laughs> the press is not friendly. Um, they got that Stephen A mentality and that there's no love lost there. Um, and, and the fans are, the fans are brutal, uh, yeah. uh with the mindset of, of Meek Mill, um, with, with the French fries between his legs. Um, so it's, it's just a bad scenario for anybody. They're all together, but Indy would make sense because Rick Carlisle is no nonsense. It's, it's not necessarily his way or the highway, but he has a structure. Yeah. Um, and with him just getting there, he's obviously not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I would say this because I've heard this from a, a few other uh, a few other people. It just depends because the coach there, it isn't. I don't know about the reputation with the coach, but Minnesota seems like a nice fit because of Anthony Edwards, because of Cat. There's ways to to go about bringing a, a structure around him if you make a package with with D'Lo make a package with some of the picks that they have um, a couple of the other guys and ship them out if you can put together a, a system around um, with Anthony Edwards cat and then having Ben Simmons kind of float around there again I don't know how realistic that would be because I don't know the who, first of all who the coach is and if they have a reputation that can manage getting Ben Simmons into the gym and working alongside but the way that Anthony Edwards is, you know, he's an he's an old school cat uh, mentality. Um, maybe he has what it takes to, to to get Ben in, but maybe he's too old school, where it's too reminiscent of Jimmy Butler, where it just might be a, a bad situation and it just might be repeat history again. So I don't know. So a question that I posed on Twitter, just for the sake of the of conversation, the Warriors trade whatever package it is keeping their core guys, their three core guys, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They trade for Ben Simmons. Can you get away with a non-traditional center in the starting lineup if you have both Draymond and Ben Simmons in the starting lineup? No, because Ben Simmons and Draymond Green do not complement each other, none, none whatsoever. So you need... With in order for Draymond to be successful at what he does, you need a big that can stretch the floor. So putting non two shoot non two shooting bigs on the floor, 
I mean, defensively, that's great, but offensively, it goes to shit. And you're just brought or die with Clay and Steph, and that puts more pressure on them with Clay coming off of two seriously major injuries. You know, so. so. So, uh, uh, JC, before you before you respond, um, just to rebuttal what uh, you mentioned about Draymond Mo, Draymond's centers in his career, Andrew Bogut, JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia, none of them are sweating the floor. That's fair. But I just feel like to maximize what Draymond does on both ends, you need somebody that can stretch the floor. This is my two. I, I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. but to let got, Dr- I, no, Draymond, you. you know what I mean? To yeah. let Draymond yeah. do what he does. Yeah. You gotta you gotta play you gotta play him with a big that does something different. Like it's skill sets don't com- uh coincide with each other. They don't complement each other, in my opinion. I'm I not saying also it couldn't work. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't I don't I'm not saying it couldn't work, but I just don't see how they those two would be a fit. I, I think also to add on to, to Mo's case as well. Um, granted, those were the bigs that Draymond did play with. It was a younger Draymond, mm-hmm. a lot less miles on on Draymond's legs. So this is a much more older Draymond. So that's gonna take a toll on him as well. So the need for a a, a stretch big is more important now in his later years, um, just because of really just because of of age and, and movement wise. Um, in terms of spacing, that's uh, that's going to be something that's important. And Ben Simmons doesn't provide that um, necessarily for for the Warriors. It's actually a more of a downgrade. Um, I saw a lot of uh, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of people speaking down on Steph throughout the season in terms of oh, see, this is how hard it is when you have to carry a team and. It, it was stupid comments because it was like that doesn't negate the fact that this is Steph Curry like this is this is Del Curry's son like stop it um <laughs> adding Ben Simmons to that doesn't help that <laughs> at all um it makes his workload that much more harder because again Ben Simmons's skill set defensively is an asset like it's it's a tremendous asset because again uh, Matt to your point he is a 6'10 point guard and they just don't fall from the sky i think the last one that we saw was lamar odom uh yeah. truly i think the last one that we saw was was that and, and lamar actually transitioned to that as a result of phil jackson bringing him off the bench and utilizing him throughout the floor the problem is though is again is just we don't know where his headspace is at and and again him you bring him into a, into the fold you would imagine that him being around championship minded players you would expect him to be on board and run with that. So I get from that perspective why there's optimism there. I would imagine in order to make that deal work, uh, you would have to say goodbye to Wiseman. Um, you'd have to say goodbye to Wiggins. You'd have to say goodbye to Wiggins, um, a couple other pieces as well to make that fit. So there, there would definitely so. be, <laughs> yeah. I think his, I think his trade value is so low now. I think, I think Wiggins and the number seven pick is enough to get to get Ben Simmons. It might be, but then again, there's the rumblings about are the Warriors saving face just saying the right things about Wiseman right now too, um, just to 
to protect his trade value um just because they you oh, know definitely as as we'll get into in a, a few yeah. with the the draft lottery um, yeah. on how they're gonna maneuver with that so there's just some pieces that go along with that if this was five years ago i'd say do the deal in a heartbeat because you can just you can just work with it you you take oh, the risk there, it's <laughs> it's yeah it's uh to me it's a high risk but an even higher reward if it pays off but because draymond is is a much older draymond steph uh while he's still steph has miles on and clay is realistically not going to be back until the end of january start of february um and he's going to be on a restriction even when he does come back that still puts Ben Simmons as somebody you're gonna have to rely on for your number two, number three. And if he, if he's passing out of layups, if I'm <laughs> Steph Curry, I'm looking, I'm staring at it. I'm calling my brother, like, <laughs> hey man, slap your slap your daddy-in-law. What the hell is this? What's your problem? What the hell are you doing over here? What'd you do to this man? Hey. What did you? What happened? Uh, all right, so. My argument, I, just just for the for the record, I'm not saying that the Warriors should trade for Ben Simmons, but I do think that being in the being in the environment of and the Warriors culture, one they'll hold him accountable. Yeah. Two, I think he will improve his game. For um, you got you guys said the right thing. He has to want to improve his game. That's that's the biggest thing. Some people on a bunch of people on Twitter are saying he can't improve his game. The guy is 24. 24 years old. To say that a 24-year-old cannot learn or improve something in his life that'll make him successful is just stupid. It's yeah, asinine. Nice. What did said the same shit about Lonzo a couple years ago? So yeah, oh yeah. it's 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 ridiculously stupid. And just because I mean, like, seriously. How much have you guys learned since you were 24? Like, God. especially I just, so I just learned some from from 31 from 31 to 31, and I just turned 32 yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> learned so much in the last saying, year and a half. Right. <laughs> I'm saying, and so my argument as far as the fit, you put Ben Simmons in the dunker spot that Javale McGee played for played for a few years. He's just as athletic and he could make better decisions than JaVale McGee if you know if if he ever got the ball in in a situation where he was like in the in the post or something and double team came to pass it out or whatever and again this is assuming that both him and Draymond are on the floor at the same time with Ben Simmons having point guard abilities so you have Steph playing pick and roll with either one of them Either one of them can make decisions and make passes. He'll they'll make the right pass to to get a bucket. As far as scoring, I see your guys' point. He's gonna have to learn how to shoot. He's gonna have to attack, and he's gonna have to want to score. But Ben Simmons solves most of the Warriors' issues. As far as having another ball handler and decision maker, and having a big man who can defend and defend at a high level. He doesn't resolve the shooting, obviously. That's something that we would have to get somewhere else. But he also, and he was also, also resolves a veteran presence. Still pretty young, 
still a little immature. He's like you guys said, he's got some mental issues to get past. But he resolves the veteran, the veteran presence. He has experience. Put him in the starting lineup. Say, say we trade uh, Ubre and a pick for Ben Simmons. Take Wiseman off the bench. We have Ubre sign and trade him for Tim Hardaway Jr., a shooter, someone a three and D, three and D type of guy. Okay, now you have Steph, Clay, Tim Hardaway Jr., Draymond, Ben Simmons in your starting lineup. When with Ben Simmons, you could sit him six, seven minute mark, or Curry six, seven minute mark. You're not missing a beat as far as decision making, ball handling. Now all of a sudden they they sub in for each other. You stagger their minutes after that starting period. The closing period, again, you don't want Ben Ben Simmons closing right now, but I think he'll improve his game. Just like Draymond's gonna work on his shooting, Ben's gonna work on his shooting. I think I just I see how the Warriors can make it work. But again, I'm not vouching for a trade. I'm just saying I can see how they can make it work. If, I mean, if may- I'm if I'm if I'm a me as an NBA fan, I want to see Ben Simmons go to Portland because him and Dame could be a younger Stephen Dre. I think the issue with with Dame is Dame's on a on a timetable himself, and with the change with the head coach, like it could just be yeah. a situation where yeah. Dame could be on on a one year himself, and then all of a sudden he's looking around, and he's like, he finally just gets off of the the grind mode, and he's like, no. I've, I've had yeah. enough. It's, it, I, I, it's time. Okay, I, I see what everybody else is saying, which I'm on board for. Like, salute that he wants to be loyal, but this business, there's no loyalty in this business, and you got to do what's best for you. And I, I want him to be as successful as possible. And uh, Portland, it, while it has a great fan base, um, if they can't attract and get anybody to go there, he eventually is going to have to do what's best for him. And yeah, I mean, on, on pay, obviously on paper, you are 100% right. Ben and, and Dame would, would do wonders together. Uh, but Dame's own situation, it, there, there's question marks there too. Uh, um, it just seems like there's a question mark every every turn <laughs> where, where you would put Ben Simmons, which is, again, that's what makes this so mind-boggling. Like, there's always a question mark around Ben Simmons. I've never seen that with, with, uh, with another NBA player Um that I've watched in real time. Right. Not, not only that, but a player that's been all defensive NBA, all defense team. Yeah. Three year for three years, all, all defensive first team for three years of his four year career and all NBA team, uh, all NBA third team for, for a year. I mean, defensive player of the year candidate every year. I mean, that's just, that, yeah, it's, I agree with you. It's crazy. The talent is there. You see it like he's a. Every time he, he steps on the floor, he's a threat to get a triple double. Yeah, he yeah. just he just has to want it. At this Absolutely. point, if if Philly is 100 committed to him, I'm hiring the best shooting coach, uh, personal trainer, psychiatrist I can find, and we're we're, we're putting in work between now and in training camp. Just every oh, day, just, just it's twelve hour days. Free throws. Yeah, shooting twelve hour free days, throws, six days a week. Yeah. Uh, shooting yeah. free throws, shooting I think we can safely on my say post that. Game. I think we could safely say say that Philly's doing none of that, and they're just doing damage <laughs> control <laughs> yeah. to bring his trade value back up, and then and then eventually trade him before the start of the season. <laughs> right. 
Right. And then there's also the question of who would want him with with the way that he's flamed out in the playoffs and that big ass yeah. contract. Who would want him? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's gonna be on uh, that's gonna be on Rich Paul to to sell right. him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, we've seen we've seen Rich Paul do some do some do some big things. Right. So. <laughs> That, yeah, that, that's definitely a storyline I'm watching for this offseason. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Definitely. Now, moving on to the draft lottery, JC, you mentioned it earlier. Detroit gets the number one pick. We got Detroit number one, Houston number two, Cleveland number three, Toronto number four, Orlando number five, Oklahoma City number six, Golden State number seven, that was Minnesota's pick, Orlando number eight, that was Chicago's pick. Then we got Sacramento 9, New Orleans 10, Charlotte 11, San Antonio 12, Indiana 13, and the Warriors at number 14. Shout out to Detroit, man. They, they, man, you walked away from after one year. So first you pick up uh, arguably one of the most improved in Jeremy Grant in free agency um, via trade. Um, I guess it was sign and trade, but either way, uh, you got him in free agency. Then you have one hell of a draft with Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, Isaiah and then there's one other guy, uh, Isaiah Stewart. And then in the midst of that, you get rewarded with the number one pick. <laughs> you um, might be rewarded Kay Cunningham in the process. Yeah, that is, uh, that's magnificent. Um, there's no other way to put that. Now that's if they, and even if they don't decide to keep the pick, I mean, there's a, there's a lot you can do. Um, so salute to them. They definitely, they literally have the world in their hands. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not too familiar outside of, uh, Cade Cunningham with this year's draft, just because of, you know, obviously we're coming, uh, the world's back opened up, opening back up, um, with COVID, so I did not really pay attention to anything NCAA related, um, just because of how the system just was real tweaked and it was a wild season. Um, so I don't know much, and I'm about to find out as we get through the combine with these young players. So I don't know how valuable these spots are for a lot of these teams. I do know that some of these slots are going to be valuable trade assets. Um, yep. I was seeing that uh, the Warriors ended up with the 7 and 14 picks. Yeah. Um, I would imagine they're going to be active uh, on draft night um, via the telephones. So I feel like that, I feel like obviously they wanted that top, what was it, the, you guys needed a top four or a top three? It needed to be not top three from Minnesota. Okay. So, yeah. it, it, so we wanted it to be four, but that's basically okay. the best case scenario. Okay, yeah. So obviously that would have been best case scenario, but still just uh, managing to, to get two picks within the, yeah. within the, the 14. Yeah. Um, I would imagine you guys are going to do some work with that. I forgot her name. She was a representative for the Pelicans, but the funny look she gave Swing when catch. they ended up with the, the 10th pick. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, New Orleans got <laughs> New Orleans got issues themselves. Um, once again, this is uh, I, I feel the, the draft needs to go a whole route completely. I, I, to be honest, I think the draft needs to be abolished. And this isn't about uh, the draft. You mean the uh, draft lottery? Yeah, I know. I mean, the I mean, the draft completely get rid oh, of really? the, the, the draft itself. Now, if you are a lower tier team, 
then you get X amount of dollars going into a rookie free agency. So you have, uh, you know, let's say they, what, what's the highest rookie um, in the current draft now you have um, the number one pick gets what, 8 million a year. And then obviously it adjusts from number one pick, obviously Be going down there now. Yeah. Yeah. So however it goes, it could still go, um, I guess, I guess it's the same format. Instead of a draft lottery, it would be the rookie free agency lottery. Or they just adopt the format of the NFL, which is, you know, the worst seed. You have you automatically get the number one. You have the most money to spend. But ultimately, the, the choice goes down to the incoming rookies on which team they want to go to. And at that point, you know, a rookie, their mindset could be, you know, I want to come in. I want to. I want to be a part of a winner or I want to get the, the money. I want to come in. I just want it to be more in the the realms of a I want to be more in the, the realms of a, of a rookie, because if you think about it in any other profession, when you come out of college, ain't nobody getting drafted to go work in in, in South Dakota. <laughs> if there was any other infrastructure like that, there would be protests across this country. <laughs> for that kind of infrastructure but for some reason when it comes to sports everybody just says oh if you don't like it don't play and it's like well, wait a minute time out i i sacrificed many of my free time and and my most valuable of, of, of time in my young life to get to this point i should have a say in where i go to work for the beginning of my career versus just putting a name in a hat and them saying okay well this team gets the pick and now you end up having to go there. And if the team doesn't have, doesn't value winning, you know, albeit tanking, um, and they're wasting your prime years, well, that's not your fault, but your years are getting wasted as a result of this organization not knowing how to run. All, and we see that now with the Pelicans, uh, uh, as we're finding out, that was not an Anthony Davis situation. That's a, that's a Pelicans franchise situation, as we're finding out with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Right. Um, so yeah, no the the draft itself, I believe, needs to be updated into a a rookie free agency. But that's obviously we're going off topic. Detroit has number one pick. Uh, where's Cleveland at in all this? Number three. Are they trading um, Sexton? Hey, that, that that's the rumors. That's rumors. That's the rumors. I don't know if it, I mean if they keep them, and then uh, number three pick is projected to be Jalen Green, who okay. plays guard, but. You don't know what they're gonna do with uh, Sexton and Garland, so. so. That's the thing we just, this is the part of the season I don't like talking about, because now I'm talking about franchises that just are completely inept and <laughs> in running their organization. I don't like talking about people that don't know how to run a team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Pistons are on the right track, so I'm cool with talking about them. They seem to be going in the right direction. You, you get to Cleveland and it's like, yo, what are you doing? Right. Because you seem yeah. to have a good thing with, with Sexton, um, and then all of a sudden now it's like, well, now we want to get rid of him. And then I don't have a problem with the, the the kid that you're talking about, but when you don't seem to have a direction that you're going in, it's like, okay, but well, now you're about to basically go into the same direction and put this kid yeah. through what you just right. put Sexton through. Right. There's a reason why certain teams pick in the lottery every year. Yeah. You yeah. know, and with this draft, like, um, I'm with JC. I really, outside of a few names like um, Egg Cunningham and Evan Mobley and uh, or Mosley, excuse me, and the kid out of um, Gonzaga, Jalen Suggs. Yeah. Uh, I I really don't know uh, 
much about this draft class. I, I can't speak if it's strong, weak, indifferent, but I do know that there's always going to be great value uh, in these drafts, especially in the later later rounds, those uh, mid first mid to first late rounds, uh, late first rounds, and also some good value in the second round as well. Uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see uh, moving forward. I mean, there's gonna be so a lot of moving parts. I think there's there's some you're gonna hear about uh, some rumblings about players being disgruntled and wanting to move. So obviously these draft picks are are um, gonna be good good currency. But a team to keep an eye on uh, in the draft uh, moving forward will be OKC. I mean, what did they have a yeah. million first round picks? <laughs> yeah. So they they can do some damage, man. They can get, they can use these first round picks to price some talent to OKC and make them uh, a playoff team again. So you never know. Uh, so it's it's definitely up for the debate. But I love the draft personally uh, because you just you, with the draft you you expect the unexpected. I mean, yeah. this past year this draft kind of played out the way we thought it was thought it was going to play. But uh, who knows? This year might be different, you know. So I'm I'm excited to see what the draft produces. Yeah, I mean, just because I know I knew that the Warriors had a chance of two lottery picks uh, this year, I've been doing some I've been doing some film study. Uh, I did watch the NCAA tournament, watched a couple of the players that were being mentioned. Consensus is that it's a top top five heavy draft, but that this is a pretty deep draft it's just that those, those top five from those top five to the next tier there's a little bit of a drop off from what i'm reading is kate cunningham is the consensus number one pick yeah i, I i'm actually pretty excited i'm i'm pretty excited to see what happens in this draft because mo like you said okay see they got hella picks I don't see them staying still. I see them, you know, packaging some picks. Maybe they go into the top three. There's rumblings that Cleveland is trying to trade out of number three. Posted an article on Twitter. Basically, it's saying that Detroit might be interested in Golden State's two picks in a package centered around James Wiseman for the number one pick. So if the Warriors get Kate Cunningham, Fuck yes. <laughs> a whole different ball game. It's a whole different topic we talking about. <laughs> but yeah. Young man um, would have to grow up quick though with the Warriors uniform, but I like the sound of it though. Oh, definitely, definitely. But I mean like the fact that he'd have the opportunity to start right away because Clay's not gonna be back until January, February ish. And the fact that when Clay does come back, you no, know, he could what slides to the three he could play, come off the bench whatever it is i think that would be amazing we'll see what happens closer to the draft i'm looking think, at the uh, i'm looking at the uh the results of it now i think the biggest winner in all this uh that we're not mentioning the toronto raptors oh yeah raptors got number four um i want to make it perfectly clear where i stand with them uh, um First of all, I salute them. Uh, they are the only team that went this entire season and did not play one home game, uh, theoretically yeah. speaking. Um, they were they basically played on the road the entire year. Um, I commend them for writing it in for the second half of the season. I would have done the same thing, and they just said, we got to go home, and I don't blame them. 
uh, I look at this as uh, they got their stimulus package um, and <laughs> they're they're planning for life after Kyle Lowry and they got rewarded for it for taking one for the for the league. That is a nice spot to be in that number four slot. Um, if, yeah, as you said, Matt, if this is going to be a nice, heavy, heavy draft where there's going to be a lot, a lot of good selections, whether they're ready to go first opening night or if they're going to you know, take some time to develop, whatever, that's a nice place to be in. And uh, you can do a lot with, with, the, with the number four slot. So they're in a good position. I'm going to keep yeah. my eye on that one. We'll talk more about the about the actual selections when the draft comes around. What what pick do we have, Mo? We have twenty uh, first, twenty second pick. Yeah, we we in towards the back 22. end of the first round, I think. Oh, we gonna yeah, do some damage. Yeah. You, you know how you know how our uh, you know how our uh, development uh, department does with with them later picks. Oh yeah, they find them as long as they get rid of Kuzma. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with that. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw Kuzma on the latest episode of Dave, and I was like, oh, that's why you throwing balls off the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. I get it now. Yeah. Enjoy Oklahoma City, buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all we got. That's all the time we got for today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Killer Crossover Podcast. Again, if you want to be part of the episode, if you want to be a special guest, if you want to plug a brand or small business that you have, or if you just have any suggestions for topics that we can talk about, hit us up on that email, thekillercrossoverpod at gmail.com. Also, you can find me on Twitter at emankoa, at E-M-A-N-K-O-A, and Mo. Uh, you can find me at your boy Mo 87 on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jcnohunnids. Uh, you can also catch me on the Illogical Sense podcast. We drop every... Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Uh, we just dropped uh, episode 235, so you can catch that. That is live now. Um, in My Zone Radio has shifted from Thursdays to Wednesday afternoons. So you can catch In My Zone Radio at In My Zone Radio, both on Twitter and Instagram as well. And for both Mo and I, just want to say thank you again, JC, for coming on the episode. And big shout, happy birthday. Happy belated birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. belated birthday, my guy. Once again, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always look forward to this now. I can't wait to the third time, whenever that is. I hope it's a. I hope it's a draft now that I'm talking. I'm thinking about it. We could have some more draft. It's gonna be the draft, NBA finals preview, free agency. Man, we love having you on, man. Oh man, I'm call me anytime, man. I enjoy talking with you, brothers. This, this is cool. I looked at the damn clock just now. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, hell. Okay, can, we, can we talk some more <laughs> <laughs> all right and we out yo peace